happens when something like that happens, you know, social media explodes and people fight and things like that. I don't know if your Facebook feed is like mine where pretty much at least once a week, you know, somebody posts something about the social issue of the week and it's never really nice. It's always kind of snarky and meant to poke at the other side, right? And you look down and there's 482 comments on the post, right? And it's usually just two people going back and forth and slowly, you know, escalating into more anger and more name calling and this side versus that side. And you just, you get to the end and suddenly these two people who may not have even known each other, right? They're friends of friends are suddenly sworn enemies and people are being unfriended and blocked. And there's just this anger in our culture today of one side versus the other. We've forgotten how to disagree with each other with any sort of grace. You know, it's us versus them, Democrats versus Republicans, you know, pro-gun, anti-gun, pro-life, pro-choice. You have all these sides and there's a line down the middle and you're not even allowed to cross it anymore. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw a couple weeks ago, I think it was, Ellen DeGeneres went to a football game and she ended up randomly sitting next to George W. Bush. She didn't go with him. She just happened to be in the same box as him. And they, um, there were some videos that came out. Actually, an example from last year with Ellen too. Um, the Christian artist Lauren Daigle went on her show to promote her new song. And the day after that, the Christian community was up in arms, right? Saying, you shouldn't be on her show. You know, you're a traitor. You're not a Christian for going on her show because she's openly gay, right? This is where our country has gotten to. This is where we are as a people where when somebody is on the other side, we want to fight them, right? And as Christians, we're guilty of that too, right? We see, we see things happening in our world that are against what we believe in. And we rightly want to correct that but sometimes we do it in the wrong way, right? We're like Peter in the garden where he grabs a sword and starts chopping people's ears off to defend Jesus, right? Where him and Jesus is standing there going, stop, and he's, he's the one picking up the ears and putting them back on you know, the soldier's head, and he's saying, no more of this. This is not the way. It just, Jesus is telling us that we don't have to buy into this lie in our society that the way to defend him, the way to defend what we believe is to fight. It doesn't always have to be a fight. He says, no, there's a better way. Instead of creating this culture that separates and builds a wall between us, we have the opportunity as followers of Christ to build community, to come into this broken world and bring healing and reconciliation instead of fighting. But how, how do we step outside this attitude that is so prevalent in our culture that we have us versus them and, and you can't meet in the middle, right? How do we kind of shut all that down? Um, I want to start with this idea of enemies, of, of who our enemies are and how, how we're supposed to treat them. Um, we're going to take a look in Luke chapter six today, and we'll be there for most of the morning. But before, before I dive into the word, I just want to open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, 
we praise you for your grace and your mercy and your wisdom. We pray this morning that your kingdom would be here in this building, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see what it is that you're doing in this room and in the world around us, God, bringing your kingdom. We thank you for bringing us to a place where we can learn more about you, God, for bringing us here in community so that we can seek after you and seek your wisdom and understanding. And we pray, God, that you would just be present with us today. Amen. Hey, so um, we'll be in Luke chapter 6 today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it. If you didn't bring one, you can download the free app um, that's on the screen behind me, version. It's a really great tool to um, use this morning. If you go to the little menu on the bottom where you can find more items, you can go to the events for today, and Disciples Church has an event, and it will have all of the scriptures and different notes for today. So we'll be reading from Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. And Jesus is speaking here to the disciples and also a large crowd of people. And he says, But to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful." Love your enemies, right? Jesus didn't say, though, that we're not going to have enemies. He says that we should treat our enemies with the way God treats them, with love and mercy. If we're going to bring the best that we have to offer to our communities, if we're going to bring something better than what the world has to offer, then there... We have to show the world that there's a better way, right? Jesus told his disciples, the world will know that you are my disciples by your love. If we want our communities to know that we are disciples of Jesus, we have to bring love into our communities. And not just love for the people that agree with us or our family or our friends or the people in our church. Not just to those that we get along with. We have to bring love even to our enemies. That's how the world knows that we are the disciples of Jesus. That's how we announce the kingdom of God to the world around us, right? We take all this fighting and anger and hatred that is in the world and we say, 
This has no power, no power over love, right? Jesus didn't call people to take up arms in rebellion over the immoral world's rulers of the world, right? He didn't say, go out and fight the world. He said, go out and make disciples, go and be fishers of men, right? You don't make disciples by fighting political battles or social battles in anger. You don't make disciples by enacting laws, forcing people to behave in a certain way. You don't make disciples by getting into fights on Facebook and calling people names, right? The way that you make disciples is by loving your enemies, by doing good to them, by giving to them without expecting to be paid back in any way, right? You show them the same love that God shows you and me in all of our flaws and shortcomings. And when we stop fighting with people and we start loving them, we can come to this strange realization that they're not actually our enemies, right? We've made them into our enemies, but they're not actually our enemies. We as Christians need to rethink this idea of who, who is our enemy. Um, There's this great book, um, pastor and theologian David Fitch wrote this book called The Church of Us Versus Them. And in it, he discusses this idea, not of finding a middle ground between two positions, but in going to a space beyond both of them, a space where the Holy Spirit can work and bring something new. Um, And as followers of Christ, we shouldn't be making enemies of people who are not our enemies. We should be going into that space beyond that and to the space where we invite the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us. Um, And I just want to read this short excerpt from his book. He says, Jesus's presence, therefore, does not make enemies. It reveals them. In his peaceful presence, Jesus promises that nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered and nothing is secret that will not become known. Antagonisms, chaos, hate, Vitriol and violence are all signs of the enemy at work. They are the source of his power, and yet Satan disguises it all in the name of piety and self-righteousness. But Satan is revealed in the unanxious presence of the living Lord. Satan's powers are disarmed. Though Jesus' presence is not violent, nonetheless, his presence in his presence, the antagonisms are slowly disrupted, unwound, allowing us to turn, repent, find the love and forgiveness of Jesus, and enter the new world of the King. This is the way God works in what can only be described as the space beyond enemies. The question is, can the church be this space in the world? Can we be the church that is beyond us versus them, right? These people that we disagree with are not our enemies. Satan is the enemy, right? And you might be disagreeing with someone who is trapped in the lies of the enemy, right? They might be fighting for what the enemy fights for, but they are not your enemy. They are lost children of God that need to be redeemed. They need to be loved and brought into the kingdom, not, you know, we don't want to build a wall between them. You want to invite them into where you are, where it is better, where there is redemption and forgiveness. And when you, when you make room for the Holy Spirit, to work, it just, we get to this point where we stop turning people into our enemies, right? We, we stop fighting against the world and we start fighting for it. 
But how, like, how do we do that, right? How do we get to that place in our hearts where we don't make enemies of people where, and where we can love those people who are our enemies and fighting against Jesus, right? How do we get to that place? Um, I want to keep going in Luke 6. I feel like um, Jesus kind of works through this backwards as we go through the story. He starts with this idea of enemies, and then he slowly, what he's teaching, digs down deeper and deeper to like the root of what is causing us to feel this way. So I want to keep going and dive in a little bit deeper, um, starting in verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Right? In order to love our enemies, in order to get past this idea of enemies, we first have to let go of our pride and our judgmental attitudes, right? We start loving our enemies by first taking a good, long, hard look in the mirror. Um, It reminds me of the story in John 8 when the Pharisees bring the woman caught in adultery before Jesus. And they say, well, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. And the law of Moses says we we have to stone her. So what what should we do, right? They're trying to trap Jesus. But Jesus doesn't engage in the way that they're asking him to engage, right? He sits there quietly for a while, and when they still demand an answer, he says to them, all right, we'll do what you want, but the person that gets to throw the first stone is the person who's never sinned. Right? Mic drop. (laughs) And, And they all walk away because they know they know in their hearts that they are not without sin either, right? They, you have to take, we all have to take a look at ourselves and realize that we have all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And by casting our judgments on other people in anger, we are not proclaiming the kingdom of God. We are building up walls. You know, Jesus reminds them in this situation that we are all sinners. These people came and they, they drew a line in the sand and said, this woman is over here and we're all over here, right? They were destroying their community. And Jesus said, no, actually, all of you, come on over here on this side of the line with her because you're all in it together, right? He brings them back into the reality that we, are, we should all be in community together. We should all be building each other up and supporting each other, not throwing stones at each other. I took this class in college called Passion and Civility in Debate, and I honestly remember nothing from it except for the, <laughs> except for the first day. 
<laughs> but in, on the first day, our professor told us, if you want to truly listen to what somebody else has to say, you have to come into the conversation with the belief that they could be right and you could be wrong. And that is a really hard thing to do, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you don't have truths that you believe that everything's up for grab to whoever has the best arguments. What it means is you take a minute to listen to that other person, to say, I will submit in, in humility that I don't know everything, that I could be wrong because I'm not God. I don't know all the answers, right? And when you, when you can sit in that place, then the other person feels truly listened to. They feel like they are in community with you, not that they're on the other side of the debate or the other side of the wall, right? You're, you're in it together having a conversation. And it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that you don't have opinions, that you don't have things that you're passionate about, that you don't, you know, I don't want to use the word argue, but you don't, want to, you don't discuss them passionately and with fervor trying to convince the other person, but you do it with respect. You don't fight the other person. You invite the other person to see it from your, your side, right? And I think we just have to remember that we need to approach it the way Jesus approached it, right? If you look at Philippians 2, 5 through 8, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Right? If the Lord of heaven can humble himself and come down as a human, I think that all of us can work harder to humble ourselves and, know, and come to this place where we realize we don't have all the answers, right? When I was in college, I, I thought I had all the answers and I was passionately willing to argue with anyone who had a different opinion from me. But as I've walked on my journey with Christ, he has taught me that it's, o- it's okay to have those passions, right? I'm still very passionate about politics and if you wanna talk about it, we'll do it sometime. But, but I, I've come to this place where I realize that that's not the most important thing, right? Me being right and winning an argument is not the most important thing. And sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes we're all wrong. And we need to be like Jesus and humble ourselves. But again, how do we get there, right? How do we have this attitude of humility that allows us to love those who are different from us? So let's, let's keep going, right? I keep thinking of Narnia. Further in and farther up. Keep going. Um, Luke 6, verse 43. No, tree, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. 
but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed. Its destruction was complete. Right. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And, and this is where I think we get to the root of it, right? Building our lives on a foundation of Jesus. If we want to bring our best to our communities, if we want to bring humility and love and mercy to, to a world that is tearing itself apart with anger and hatred, right? If we want to do that, we need to do these three things that Jesus is saying here. We need to come to Jesus. We need to hear his words and we need to put them into practice. And when we do that, everything else flows out of that, right? Stu's been talking about this mansion and when you open one door in the mansion of God, you know, you, you, suddenly you see there's more rooms and you, you learn and you grow and you find new things. Um, but how do, we, how do we do those th three things, right? How do we come to Jesus and hear his words and put them into practice. We have to actually be in community to do that. I think that, you know, if you want to bring the best that you have to offer, you have to do it in community first, and then, and then it just goes out and spreads out to the rest of the world. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them, right? If we want to understand who Jesus is and what he's teaching us, we need to gather with his people, and then he is there with us. And in those moments when you are discussing with fellow Christians these matters that are sometimes difficult to understand, it opens the door for the Holy Spirit to be there in that conversation, right? To provide insight and guidance. Spending time in the Bible on your own is great, and you should absolutely do that. But spending time in the Word with other believers is, is an entirely different experience. We have our life groups going on right now, and just this last week we were studying parables about the kingdom of heaven. And um, I'm part of the mom's life group, and we've got five little kids under the age of four running around like crazy while we're studying the Word. But even, even with all that distraction, the, the insights that we gained from having those conversations, right? Nobody came to that table thinking they had all the answers. We all asked questions and challenged each other and pushed each other deeper, trying to get a better understanding of what God is calling us to so that we can better love the world around us. So if you're not part of a life group, life group plug, go join a life group, <laughs> right? And when we wrestle with these ideas in a community that shares our beliefs, it teaches us how to have conversations with people who disagree with us, um, right? Because everyone in your faith community is not going to share every one of your beliefs. That's just, I know, Calvin, gasp of shock. <laughs> but because you are already in community with them, because you know and love the people in your church, right? You learn how to have conversations with people and disagree with people without turning them into your enemy. And then you learn deeper truths about the kingdom of God that you are able to take with you in your interactions with the world around you. 
right? You can, you can have a conversation with someone who is on the completely other side of the spectrum as you and not see them as an enemy, but still see them as a child of God. They may be a child of God who is really, really far from God, but they are still a child of God, right? And you have to approach them with that attitude. Um, I want to close this morning with a story from the Old Testament, which... I, didn't, I wasn't really familiar with until recently, um, so I don't know how many of you guys will know this one, but we're, we're going to end the morning in 2 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 1. The king of Aram had a great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, our Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman is the commander of the army of Aram, which is modern-day Syria, right? And we learn that he has gone in and raided Israel and come back with this captive girl, and we, we don't really know what happened to the rest of her family or her community, right? We just know that there was an invasion. People probably died. And this poor girl has been taken captive and now is serving in the house of the man who raided her country, right? So what does she do with that? Does she try to kill him? No, maybe try to kill his wife for revenge or join some underground rebellion to overthrow the <laughs> empire of Aram and get back to Israel. Does she just sit in protest and not serve them at all? Right? I'm not going to help you people. You took me captive. Now, this young girl tells this woman that she serves that the man who invaded her country, right? He has leprosy. I know someone who can heal him. Um, okay. Normally, when we, you know, have enemies like this, we just wish that they would get hit by a bus or something, right? <laughs> but she, right, this young girl says... I know somebody who can help you, right? She sees a man who is suffering and she says, my God, my God can heal him. It didn't matter that he had invaded her country. It didn't matter that he probably killed people that she loved. It didn't matter that he had probably ruined her life, right? I'm sure she had plans for what she wanted to do and being a maid may, may not have been one of them. Um, none of that, none of that mattered to her, right? All that mattered is she saw a child of God who was suffering. She saw an opportunity to bring something to her community other than hatred, other than making enemies, right? You don't always get to choose the community that you're in, right? There may be people in your family. There may be people in your neighborhood. There may be people at your job that you don't like or don't agree with, right? And that's fine, you don't have to agree with everyone. You don't even have to be friends with everyone. But you have to, as a follower of Christ, treat everyone with the same love and mercy that God treats you and me. Right? So for the sake of time, I'm going to skip the middle part of the story. Basically, Naaman goes to Israel. The king of Israel sends him to the prophet Elisha to be healed. Elisha tells him how to be healed, and we're in verse 14 now. So... Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel.
Something amazing happens when we bring the best of the kingdom of God to our communities, right? Something amazing happens, right? All the arguing in the world isn't gonna change people's hearts. You know what changes hearts is the presence of God, the love of God, right? The redemptive message of the gospel changes hearts. Naaman started this story as an enemy of God. He, I don't remember the name of the God they worshiped in Aram, but he worshiped another God. He invaded Israel. He attacked the people of God. And because of one servant girl saying, I'm not gonna buy into that, I'm gonna show you love even though you are not a nice man. He comes and he is healed and he declares that God is God and there is no other God and he is gonna follow him, right? Because of one servant girl. I mean, think about Daniel. We studied Daniel all summer. He was also in a community of enemies, right? He was in a place that he didn't choose to be and what did he bring to them? He brought his best he brought the kingdom of God and God did amazing things with that. God is inviting us to join him on his mission to redeem this world, right? He is inviting us to say, no more, we're not gonna buy into this world. We are gonna walk with God and we are gonna call people back to God with our love, with our mercy, with our compassion and humility, we are gonna shine a light into this dark world and say, you don't have to live like this anymore. There is a better way. The kingdom of God is here and you should come and be a part of it, right? It brings something so radically different from this world. If we continue to buy in to the ways of this world, they're not gonna see us. They're not gonna know us. They're gonna write us off as just like everybody else. But when you bring the radical love of Jesus into your community, people change. People see that and they say, I wanna live like that. I don't wanna live like this anymore. I want what that person has, right? I'm gonna go ahead and invite the band and the prayer team to come up. I wanna leave you with just two, two challenges to think about as you go through your week. The first is this. The next time you see a post on Facebook that pisses you off, right? Because it's going to happen. It happens to me like once a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next time you see that thing on Facebook or social media that makes you angry, makes you want to fight with that person and start, you know, get into an argument and try to convince them that their position is wrong, I'm going to challenge you to, to not do that on social media, right? I'm going to make an argument here that social media is not community, and we can argue about that later discuss politely about that later. <laughs> but don't engage on social media. That is not the place to have those kind of conversations. I want to challenge you instead, invite that person to coffee, right? Have that person over for dinner or go for a run or whatever your thing is to be in community. We need to stop having these discussions when we're not in community, right? You need to get face to face with that person and have the hard discussion and make space for the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing I wanna challenge us to think about is who have we made our, into our enemies, right? What person or group of people have we either as an individual or as a church made into our enemies? Because we need to step back from that. We need to make space for the Holy Spirit to heal that attitude 
and to renew our love for the world around us and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us to preach the gospel to those people instead of making them our enemies. So I just want to challenge you to think about those two things as we go into a time of prayer and further worship. If you want to work through any of that, the prayer team is here. They would love to pray with you. Um, We're going to worship for a little bit longer. There is the offering station in the back if you want to give your tithes and give your first fruits and offer your best to God today. You can give by check or there are instructions to to give via text. And I think Calvin will be up in a few minutes to wrap us up. Till I lay 